Above the Bar Copy, a podcast for online business owners who want to break the rules, go beyond the normal standard marketing trends, and create fire sales copy that not only generates leads, but leaves a larger positive impact on the world. I'm your host, Jenny Roth. I'm an email, sales page, and website copywriter, mom to three daughters, and online business owner living in the rural Midwest. My goal for every episode is that you'll walk away with tips, ideas, and confidence to take your sales copy above the bar. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Above the Bar Copy Podcast. I am so excited to be here today with my friend, Jade Boyd. I always learn so much from Jade. I'm going to read her official bio and then just let her take it away here. So instead of climbing the corporate ladder after earning her MBA in marketing, Jade started a brand photography business. And cue the obvious questions like, are you crazy? (laughs) But for two years, she used her business knowledge to strategically grow her photography business. And while she was doing that, other creatives and coaches started noticing and they were asking her, hey, can you help me market and grow my business too? Along the way, Jade noticed that the quickest way to grow a business was not by doing more, but by doing less. And her business minimalist framework was born. Now as a business strategist, mentor, and the host of the Business Minimalist podcast, Jade helps busy creatives earn more while doing less. She empowers creatives and coaches to bring order to the chaos so they can step into their CEO role, build the business of their dreams, and live a life of intention and freedom, which sounds incredible. Jade lives in Iowa City with her husband, Caleb. Jade, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's so good to be here. I always enjoy chatting with you and it's been a while. So excited to talk today. Yes, me too. I'm just going to jump right in. I know a little bit about your story. When you were a grad student in Arizona, you first realized as a grad student, a busy grad student, maybe your ideas of productivity were different than what society said they were supposed to be. So can you just share a little bit about that experience and how it kind of changed your views on productivity and what you wanted for your life and what you wanted your life and your work to feel like? Yes, absolutely. And that summer spent at Grand Canyon National Park was the pivotal moment that made me realize it was okay for me to start my own business. And so it's kind of my origin story in a lot of ways for my business. But to give some context, I got my MBA at the University of Iowa and I specialized in marketing. And in an MBA program, it's a two-year program. And the summer in between your first and second year, you get an internship to get real-world experience And I was lucky enough to be accepted as a business consultant for Grand Canyon National Park. And even the fact that I was there was insane. It's a highly competitive program. Of course, everybody wants to work for the national park system. And it was a pretty elite internship program. I was the only student who was an intern that summer who was not part of an Ivy League MBA program. And I had never been to a national park. In my application, it asked, like, what's your favorite national park? And I wrote about state parks in Iowa because we don't have any big national parks around here. And I vaguely remembered, I was like, well, maybe it's Yellowstone because I think I went there as a kid with a friend. And then I thought about it a little bit more. I'm like, no, we definitely went to Jellystone. That was not Yellowstone. (laughs) So it was insane that I even was part of that program. So that in itself was this huge eye-opening experience for me. Like, holy crap, things like this are possible. 
But I had a very specific moment that summer. We were living at the South Rim. We had no Wi-Fi in the house that we were living in. And it's a national park, so you don't have great cell service. So outside of working hours, 8 to 5, when we were in the office and had access to internet and we're working, right? We didn't have an internet connection. So it's funny how much time opens up when you don't have any access to the internet for 10 weeks. It's crazy. So we spent a lot of our free time exploring the park or traveling. Anytime I wanted internet, I had to drive 30 minutes outside of the South Rim to a Starbucks to get internet there, which also wasn't that great. So we had this one morning. It was, you know, the Southwest in July, super high. And at Grand Canyon, think of it as the opposite of a mountain. So the higher you hike up into a mountain, the colder it gets. Well, the lower you hike down into a canyon, the hotter it gets. So in the summer, they say get out before the sun comes up. So it's super early in the morning. And we were hiking down one of the more primitive trails that morning. First time we'd ever been on one of the more primitive trails, which doesn't have access to water. And there was nobody in sight. We were hiking down in the canyon. And my co-consultant and I, so I was partnered with another MBA student from a different university, we kind of had this moment when we were hiking up out of the canyon and the sun was coming up over the edge and it was just absolutely beautiful. And I just had a moment where I realized, holy crap, I'm getting paid to be here. This is my job. A life like this is possible for me, like a life of such incredible freedom and reflection and time spent in nature and feeling like the work that I was doing was meaningful. I enjoyed it. I love the people that I worked with. I felt like I was a part of this bigger mission that was bigger than me. And that's kind of the moment I realized that my version of success looked very different than that version of success that was being kind of... I don't want to say pushed on me, but from an MBA perspective, the people on staff have a very specific goal when it comes to their job. Their job is to help you get placed at a high-paying corporate career after you graduate, right? And so all of the opportunities that were being presented to me looked very different than what my summer at Grand Canyon looked like. And that was the first moment that I realized I had this obsession with entrepreneurship and kind of felt like, well... Starting a business is only for like techie people who have this grand idea and they're doing something completely earth shattering. And I just didn't have that idea. So in my mind, I was like, well, entrepreneurship isn't for me then. But during that summer, I kind of opened my eyes to look at the experience that I was having in the type of life that was actually possible for me and kind of made my declaration that I was not going to go into the corporate world because if a job like that was possible, then I wasn't going to settle for anything less. I love that so much. Just that you had that realization of like, wait, how do I want things to feel? Because I think for me specifically too, like when I started a business, I wasn't thinking about how I wanted to feel every day. I don't know why I was more thinking like, okay, I need to make money doing this. Otherwise, I need to go back and find like a real job, quote unquote, right? And so it was all about like, what do I need to do to be successful or to make money or to make it? And so thinking about how I want to feel and how I want the day to day of my life to feel really didn't happen until literally like I'm going in on three years of business is such a new thing for me. And so I just think it's so important for people to hear that and just to really like take a step back and be like, how do you want your days to feel? You know what I mean? That's just as important too. So that's so cool. Yeah. I think it's really easy to focus on the things that you can measure because they're easy, right? It's easy to look at the numbers, whether that's what your salary is or what your business is making or how many hours you're working 
but measuring the quantitative part, like how does it feel? Does it feel good, the work that you're doing? Is it making an impact? That's more of a qualitative thing that takes a little bit deeper digging. Those things are easier to not think about because you can't measure them. Yeah, exactly. Everywhere we look as business owners on social media or wherever we're looking, it is all those tangible metrics that we're all looking at. And it's less talked about. I actually really savor my work and enjoy the flow of my day. You hear that less, but I think it's something that we're all kind of craving in the background. And so I know that now as a coach, you help creatives and entrepreneurs with productivity, right? And so I heard you in a talk say, a lack of clarity kills productivity. And that also really hit home for me. And so I was curious, could you just talk a little bit about kind of your journey towards clarity as a business owner and like what you want in business and how you want it to feel. And then maybe second, like how did you or how can we as business owners kind of quiet all these things that we're talking about, like what society thinks we should be doing, the messages we're getting, the should be doings of everything so that we can really get clear on this feeling or this knowing of how we want our business and how we want success to look for us. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something that a lot of people who talk about productivity will say, if you don't have clarity, it makes productivity really hard. But what does that actually mean? I think it works on two different levels. So there's definitely the bigger picture level. If you're not clear on what your version of success looks like or what it means to be productive, that makes being productive a lot more difficult. So I won't say that I'm the picture, like the portrait child of clarity. I'm definitely not. And it's taken me a long time to find clarity in my business and even clarity on my purpose and what I want my life to look like. So when I started, like you said in the introduction, I graduated with my MBA and I started a brand photography business. I kind of had this laundry list of business ideas. I knew I wanted to start my own business. I had no idea what I wanted that to look like. So from that list, I was like, you know what? Photography, I can start that tomorrow. I got a camera and I started. And on some level, action produces clarity. So it can definitely be helpful to sit in those times of reflection and think about those questions about what does it look like? What do I want to feel like? What do I want to do? What makes my business successful? But then there are also times where you just need to start doing things and then see what works and what doesn't, what feels good and what doesn't. And that's definitely how my business started. And the more experience I got, the more clarity I got on what it what does it actually mean for me to be productive? Is it productive for me to continue growing this brand photography business or Am I being pulled to something different? And ultimately, obviously, I got pulled to something different and feel more in line with my purpose, more fulfilled and more productive than I ever have before because I'm in love with the process now. I love photography, but was I in love with the process of showing up to brand photo shoots and editing photos for hours? No, I really wasn't. Like I could do it, but I wasn't in love with it. But when you align your business to something that you can't help but love doing, it makes success come all the more easily. So from the perspective of lack of clarity kills productivity, if what you're trying to do isn't in line with something that you're good at and something that you love doing, it makes being productive 10 times harder than it needs to be. So aligning what you're doing every day to your version of success is like the big picture version of what it means Um, But then even on a day-to-day basis, if you don't have any clarity around what's important to you, your day is not going to be productive. So that can be as simple as choosing your top three things for the day and having clarity on what success means on a daily basis. If at the end of the day, I only complete these three things, will it be a success or will it not be? And having clarity on how you should be prioritizing your time 
and prioritizing your to-do list, not having that clarity will also kill your productivity. So I think it works on two different levels. Oh, that's so good. I just drink all this up because for me, I'm just like a jump in person. Like I'm like, let's just jump into the day and do it. And I think that it requires a little bit of that, like how you said too, like in your stories, well, I'll start a brand photography business. I like taking photos and you just kind of start doing. And then as you're doing different things, you can start to notice like, wait a minute, I actually don't enjoy the day to day of this. Like I actually more enjoy doing these things. And I just love how you share how that clarity kind of comes from doing in a way, but also stepping back and asking yourself like, okay, what do you want your days to feel like? How, you know, how do you want to spend your time? And so I know there are some questions that we as business owners can ask ourselves to kind of get more clear on that purpose or that what we want to do kind of question. So which then in turn affects our productivity for the better, right? When we know the direction we're going and what we're working for. So can you talk about those questions we can ask ourselves and just kind of let us in on why they're important? Yes. So I talk about purpose with this framework called Ikigai. It's spelled I-K-A-G-A-I, and it's a Japanese concept for purpose. And they define purpose as having a direction for your life. We think of purpose oftentimes as a job title or something that we do or a place that we get, something that's meant to be checked off a list. But I view this more in line with this concept of Ikigai being a direction to head. So you might not have clarity on the full picture, but you have clarity on the next step, the direction that you're heading. And this concept asks four different questions and think of it as four concentric circles that all overlap in the middle to have purpose in the middle. And the four questions are, what do you love? So again, going back to finding your passion, what are the things that excite you? What lights you up? What are the things that you can't help but talk about whenever you're around people or the things that you would get on a podcast and talk about? What are those things that people are coming to you for? The second one is what can you be paid for? So realistically, what can you make a living off of? The third one is what does the world need? So where is there an unmet need or a gap in the market or you know something that you can add value to other people through doing? And the last one is what are you good at? So you might really love something like I love watercoloring, but I am terrible at it. So I would never head in that direction, right? So paying attention to the things that you're naturally talented in. And there are so many assessments that can help you figure out those things if you have a really hard time self-reflecting and deciding like, what are you good at? Because it is hard to get caught up in that comparison trap and like, oh, well, I'm kind of good at this, but I'm not as good as this person. And then you think you're not good at something. So sometimes it does take an outside perspective to help you get clarity on these questions and getting feedback from other people. I decided last year to kind of lean into those things that excited me when I started realizing, oh, this is scary. Photography might not be it. And I've invested a lot of time and money and energy in building a photography business. So I started slowly leaning into the things that excited me. And for me, that was productivity and business coaching. And people started asking me for help. And I started saying yes to a bunch of different projects. Again, very little clarity on what I wanted to do. But in leaning into those things, I got more and more clarity on where I added value, what people really needed from me, how I could add the most value to their businesses, to their lives what I was good at, what I actually liked doing. There's lots of projects that were productivity related that I thought I would love and then I didn't love. So I think it comes down to sitting down and asking yourself these questions, but again, taking action and figuring out through experience what the answers are. Yes, I love that. As I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking about 
growing a copywriting business, the normal or standard way to do it is to start an agency where you hire other copywriters to work under you and therefore you can take on more projects. And so I tried to do that. And I quickly realized that before I was a copywriter, I was an editor. And I quickly realized that managing an agency involved a lot of editing, right? Like all these writers are submitting their work to me and I'm editing, editing. And I was busy, right? I was productive uh, by standards, but I totally did not enjoy my days or my weeks because I like to write. I like to be creative and write. I would love to hand things off to other people to edit. I don't want to be the editor. And so I just love kind of asking yourself these questions like, what am I good at? So yeah, I know how to edit. Like I'm good at that. I can edit. I can get paid to do it. People need it, but I don't love doing it, right? So it's kind of like Mm -hmm. jumping in and realizing, wait, not this. So I kind of love those questions that you can kind of ask yourself as you're doing things too, right? Maybe you don't know, like you said, before you start the brand photography business or start this other branch in your business, you might not know before, but as you jump in, I think you can really quickly get a sense like, does this meet all four of those questions? And if yeah. that's you need to pivot. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because I see that come up with a lot of creatives. If your goal is always like more and more and more, bigger business, bigger business, then eventually you are going to be pulled out of the day-to-day things that you do really love doing. So again, having clarity on what success looks like for you, like do you need to build a million dollar business or do you need to make like a decent income to support the lifestyle goals you want and do something that you enjoy doing during the day? Those are two very different goals. But I think a lot of people, when they're looking left and right, are always setting their goals higher and higher every year. And there's nothing wrong with having big goals. But I think it's important to think about why you want those goals. And the goal for everyone is not going to be a gigantic business that makes them step out of the day-to-day and step only into that CEO role. Because a lot of creatives start business because they love the thing that they do. And then realize to get to the next level and the next level, it does involve other people. Like you can't do it all yourself at some point. You can only scale up to a point by yourself. And then you have to hire team members. And then your job becomes managing people. And some people hate that. So I think that redefining what success looks like for you and your business can be so empowering and saying, you know what? My business is big enough and I enjoy what I do every day, maybe that's your version of success. And if somebody else is running their business and you know building an agency and making more money, that might be their version of success. It looks different for everybody. But if you don't have clarity on what it actually means for you, it can be so easy to look left and right and think that's what success looks like. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah. I really need to hear that and just give myself that constant reminder all the time because I am somebody who doesn't want to lose the creative work that I do as a business owner, you know? So that's really important for me and how I can keep that and how that feels. So thank you for that. So I wanted to ask you, I know we talked about doing like, how can we do less, but better in our business, right? Or so being more productive while doing less, I guess is maybe another way to word it. And so I know that's like a huge question, but what is some advice or some tips that you have for how we can do less, but better or do more by doing less as business owners? Yes. So I think of this in terms of a toy that I had at a child. Do you remember those? They were like round balls and they started really small, but you could pull them and it would become this giant 
ball that you could sit in and then it contracted <laughs> again. Yeah, I forgot. I don't know the name for what they're called, but I think you know what I'm talking about. It was a classic toy. But I think of this in terms of business, like there's that time when you're first starting out where you're pulling that ball larger and you're expanding the things that you're trying. Again, experimenting, saying yes to a lot of things. When I started photography, I shot family sessions and stock and branding sessions and weddings and newborns in engagements and figured out what I liked by trying it. And there's definitely that period when you're first starting your business where you are branching out and trying a lot of different things. And I think in order to do less, you can't just say, oh, there's 10 things that I could try. I'm only going to do one because it might not be the right thing. And productivity is about getting the right things done, not about getting the most amount of things done. But in order to know what the right things are, you do kind of have to experiment and expand your horizons and try some things in order to learn what the right things are. So the first step would be to try a bunch of different things. And that comes in terms of like branding. What do you want to be known for? What services do you want to offer in marketing channels? What marketing platforms are working? Which ones are not? Which ones do you enjoy? Which ones can you be good at? And which ones are not showing up for you in the ways that you want them to? And then analyzing as you go. So trying a bunch of things and then looking at the data. And again, it can be quantitative, which is really easy to measure. What's selling the most? What are you booking the most? Which platform has the most reach, the most followers, the most engagement? All of those things. Seeing what's actually working and then deciding from there, where can you get the highest return on your investment? Whether that be the time that you're investing into those things, the financial investment that you're putting into your business... Or from a client perspective, analyzing which services are selling the most, but which ones do you love the most when you're looking at the quantitative side of it, which are the things that are most aligned with what your version of success is and feel the best to you, looking at all the data and then narrowing it down from there. And I wish it was a perfect little formula where I could tell you, you know, the little flow chart, pick A or B, and then you get the next question. But it really doesn't work like that. I see it more as that expanding ball where there's times where you need to expand what you're doing and then analyze it. And then there's that time where you bring it back together again and focus in on the areas that are getting the best results. I love that. So again, it kind of comes down to not being afraid to just take the action if you don't know and try a bunch of different things. And then looking at the quantitative data, like you said, what is working? Like what marketing channel am I getting the best results from? What service am I booking the most? And also that data of what do I actually enjoy doing, right? What's actually working for me and kind of putting that together because it is so easy to kind of maybe master one thing in your business or become really good at one marketing channel or one service and then kind of think like, okay, now I should add this, right? So I'm really yep. good, like say like, I'm really good at Instagram. Now I should start a podcast or I'm really good at doing this service. Now I should build a course about it. And in a way it's like you almost we naturally pile more onto our plates and the effort to be more productive and to grow and to do all these things. And so I'm just kind of curious on your perspective on that, you know, and quickly you can get overwhelmed then too, I think in a way. So yeah, what is your perspective on that growing a business that way, but without adding more to your plate, is it possible to do that? You know? Yeah. I think it's hard because as humans, we fear loss more than we value wins. So there have been research studies that show the value of an object when you think you're going to lose it. For example, if you hand a research participant a coffee cup and you ask them how much would you sell it for, the price is always higher. What they would need to give up in order to give up this coffee cup, what they would need to get, it would be like $10, for example. So the lowest that they would get rid of this coffee cup is $10. 
But then if you did it the opposite way, how much would they buy the coffee cup for? They would buy it for less than $10. So we have this loss aversion that's built into our psyches. And I think this comes up with marketing, like you mentioned, a lot because you think, well, if I stop showing up on Instagram, then I'm going to lose this interaction or I'm going to lose this number of sales. And we have that fear of doing less because it will cost you something. Like I'm not going to lie. If you give up something in your business there will be a little bit of the results that you'll have to give up too because everything can drive a little bit of results. But it's not about getting a little bit of results from as many activities as possible. It's about maximizing the results you get overall. And so instead of spreading your efforts into 10 different marketing channels that you're like kind of okay at, could you get better results if you did one channel to the best of your ability? And my guess would be that for most people, if you align that marketing channel with a place where your ideal client is engaged, where it's fun for you to show up. So whether you're good at video or you're good at speaking, podcasting, if you're good at the visuals, Instagram or Pinterest, you know, if you align what you're good at with that marketing channel and you're able to actually spend the time to be good at that marketing channel, actually know how the algorithm works, how the content works. If you're doing a podcast, not just showing up and recording episodes, but really thinking through how do I get the best out of this content in terms of recording ads for your affiliates or recording ads for your email list builders so that you're really doing the best possible on that platform. Would your business grow if you did less? And like I said, for most people, I think the answer is yes. But it does mean giving up something. And I feel like for me, it's been hard to give up Instagram because I do love those conversations with people and just like the real relationships that are built in social media that aren't built as easily through other platforms. But then this year, I've definitely noticed that the more effort and time that I've put into my podcast and meeting people in real life, instead of focusing on creating consistent content on Instagram, my Instagram following has grown more quickly anyway from putting the emphasis on those other platforms that last longer, they're SEO friendly. I'm meeting people and building connections in real life. So you think that you're going to give something up and in the short term, you probably are, but in the long term, it can pay off. I love that. It's like your idea of focused effort equals focused results, right? And so thank you for just saying that out loud, that it does require a focused effort going all in on one thing, right? Going deep on one marketing channel, one service, whatever you really want to go in on and your business does require you to say no and give up other things, which can be so scary because you think you might be doing the wrong thing or missing out. But I just love your approach of kind of just like trusting the process. And if you're enjoying the process while you're doing it, the results will come too, right? And you can always, no matter what, you're going to get some kind of data out of that decision, right? And so you can just use that data Mm -hmm. to keep going or to change. So I, I love that. And so Maybe speaking of data, I know we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but how can we track our productivity? I know we've talked about like really paying attention to like, do we love this? How does the process feel? Is there other ways that you measure to see if what you're doing is really productive? Tell us about that. Yes. So going back to the quantitative and qualitative, there's definitely that quantitative side, but there's also the qualitative. How do you feel? Are you enjoying what you're doing? And so I don't want to discount that side of it. But to define productivity, it's really just the ratio of inputs to outputs. So if you think in traditional terms of, you know, the beginning of our obsession with productivity in the manufacturing industry, it was how many hours are being put in and how many products are you producing, right? That ratio of inputs to outputs. 
So in terms of business ownership, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that in the intellectual economy that we live in. Like We're not just sitting there pumping out products. We're thinking we're creatives. And that can't always be boiled down to the number of things that you produce or the number of tasks that you cross off your list. But in some areas, there is that quantitative input. First, like how much time are you putting into your business? Are you working 80 hours a week to get the results that you're getting? Or are you working 20 hours a week to get the results that you're getting? That can definitely be measured on a week-by-week basis or even a day-to-day basis. How much time are you putting into your business? And getting real on like even on the weekends, are you checking your email? Like how much time are you really putting into your business? Also, financial investment. I think that productivity in business always comes down to the bottom line, which is profit. So are you needing to spend $50,000 to reach that 100K a year? Or are you investing $10,000 to reach that 100K a year? That is a huge difference in terms of the productivity of your business because it doesn't just boil down to revenue. It boils down to profit at the end of the day. And knowing those two numbers, you can also figure out your profit per time. How much are you getting paid each year versus how much time are you putting in? I think in order for a business to be sustainably productive, you have to be paying yourself a reasonable wage more than you would pay yourself or at least equal to what you would be getting paid if you were to go into a traditional field. So if you were to do copywriting for you know, some other small business or a larger business, how much is a decent salary for a copywriter? And if you can't build the salary that you're paying yourself up to the alternative, especially when it comes down to that hourly basis, it won't make sense for you to run your own business for very long. And that's true in any field. There's only so long that you can survive as a business owner paying yourself less than you would make traditionally and have it make sense for your life, right? And there's definitely that qualitative side and your quality of life and what that looks like because those benefits are huge too. But in terms of productivity, I think that there is that financial piece when it comes to running a business How do you know if an investment in your business is productive? Well, does it have a return on its investment? If you invest $1,000 into starting a podcast and you get no listens and no downloads and no new email subscribers, no sales, like was it productive? Even if you show up consistently for an entire year? No. So there's that quantitative element in measuring the financial impact of everything that you do in your business too. Yeah. And it's so important. And I think it's something that sometimes, well, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, sometimes it's like the part that you kind of want to overlook it or you want to think about that last, right? Like you said, like, are you getting paid for the time you're putting in? Like, that's really the bottom line, right? And so just kind Mm -hmm. of back to like all these things that you're doing. Does the investment make sense? Like, are you getting paid? Does the investment make sense for what you're getting back? All of these things to just kind of take the feelings out of it just a little bit and kind of look at that data, I think is so important too for me, who I can really leap forward with my heart, which is also important, but also kind of come back and be like, wait a minute, does this make sense on this other level too for your productivity? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And this kind of ties back. We were talking about this through email, I think a few weeks ago, but I have struggled a lot this year because some clients were coming to me for marketing advice and some clients were coming to me for like systems and productivity advice. And in my mind, it's so hard for me to separate the two because they are so interrelated and it's really difficult to talk about or teach on systems or productivity without talking about the business strategy. Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially if they're struggling with time management, they will think, oh, you know what? I just need systems. I need somebody to set up Dubsado or I need a new planner or something like that. And it doesn't work because they've never taken the time to create that foundational strategy that really clears the clutter in their business, that narrows down their to-do list to the things that are actually driving results. 
And once you know the strategy in your business, the systems and the productivity become so much easier. So in my mind, it's taken me a long time this year to figure out my definition of productivity and how I view it as a business owner because it is the way that I teach it is a lot different than what most people in the productivity space will teach because they will focus so much on the systems and the execution part of it. But if you don't have the strategy and the foundation in place, it makes the execution so much more difficult than it needs to be. Oh, yeah. I love that idea. Like you said, narrowing down your to-do list to the stuff that drives results. And then like we talked about before, understanding like you said, like that's going to require you to say no and to give up some other things and to kind of be okay with that. And so that's really freeing. And I know you've also talked about how productivity is seasonal, which really speaks to me too, just as a woman and a mom. And so before we kind of jump into like some really like step-by-step of planning a productive week and, and building productivity, can you just touch a little bit on the seasons of productivity and why it's important to acknowledge what season you're in as you think about your productivity and measure your productivity as a business owner. Yeah, I think it's really important to reflect on what season of life you're in, but also what season of business you're in when it comes to setting expectations for what productivity looks like in that season. So in terms of like the calendar year, there's definitely seasons that look different. Like if your kids are in school, your fall schedule is going to look a lot different than your summer schedule if your kids are at home all summer or even thinking about the holidays and how that season looks a lot different because of the traveling And, you know, being aware of that season of life in the calendar year that you're in, but also a bigger picture, like, are you in a season of motherhood or having a new kid? Are you in a season of like wedding planning? Are you in a season of grief where you're, you know, processing through some big life change? Being aware of those things also is going to affect how productive you're able to be in that season because what's most important in that season has changed. So, Those aren't things that can be like planned out on a calendar, but it's something to be aware of when you're thinking about how you're planning your ideal week, leaving space for the things that are most important in that season, coming back to your version of success and what's really important to you and whether you're going to feel productive at the end of the day. Working 40 to 80 hours a week isn't always going to be the most productive option for you based on the season that you're in. And then in seasons of business, there's obviously slower seasons for creatives. The summer is a really busy season. The winter is a season for planning and for working on the back end of your business. For some business owners, they're in a season of launching or they're in that new business season where they are trying all the things. Some business owners are in a season of stability where they've worked really hard and had a lot of success. But now it's time to like stabilize their business. It's not a time for growth. It's a time for maintenance and sustainability. So being aware of what season of business you're in really helps you identify, again, what that priority is. And when you know what your priority is, you know what the right things are to focus on. It makes it so much easier to not only plan your weeks and know what's important to focus on, but to feel productive at the end of the week. I don't know about you, but I feel like the most productive days or you know, the days where at the end of the day, I'm like, oh man, that was a really productive day. On those days, I usually only cross off one or two things off my to-do list because it's the right things to cross off. And then on the other end, I feel like a lot of creatives get caught in the trap of spending their days like, oh my gosh, I worked all day. I crossed off so many things, but I don't feel like I really got anywhere. The difference between those two things is knowing what your priority is and knowing what's important and focusing on the bigger picture and not getting caught up in the day-to-day tasks. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. I just need to hear all this stuff because then too, I think often we fall into this trap as a business owner to like 
think like you said, every single month or every single year has to be one of growth or one of extreme productivity or, or whatever that looks like when really there are seasons, like you said, to maybe you're in a season of growth or maybe you're in a season of just maintaining things because you know your kids are little or that's just what your business needs right now, whatever that looks like. And so having that priority and using that as your guidepost for your productivity at the end of the day can really help clear out all the other noise and the other stuff that we can get caught up doing. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So talking about steps to plan a productive week, I know you have some steps. So say someone listening to this is like, okay, I understand like I want to go think about the qualitative and the quantitative data, find my priority, find my focus, go big on it, consider my season, like really go into all those things. And now they're kind of ready to say, okay, like how do I plan productivity or plan a productive week? Do you have any advice or steps for that? Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to break it down. Obviously, it's a more intricate process when you sit down and actually try to map this all out. But from a big picture, I'll break it down to just a handful of steps. So the first thing I would say is to identify what your essentials are. And I think about essentials as the things that are absolutely necessary for your health and well-being. So your essentials for your personal health, what do you need on a week-by-week basis to really take care of yourself? Your essentials for your relationships. What do you need on a week-by-week basis to actually maintain good relationships with whoever is most important in whatever season of life you're in? I would say that's foundational. You need to schedule those important things first because if you leave them to the end of the day, they're not going to get the priority in your calendar and it's a lot easier to skip them when you don't have the energy, right? So having the forethought to think about based on the season you're in, again, what is really essential for my well-being in this season and scheduling those things into your calendar first or blocking time for them first or setting boundaries and saying, you know what, in this season, I am not working on the weekends ever and setting that boundary, whatever that might look like. And again, it's okay to change those things. I feel like before we jump into the ideal week, I think it's really important to just reiterate that it's going to look different in every single season. And every time a major schedule change happens, whether that's back to school or a new job or a shift in the type of services you're offering, whatever that looks like, there's going to be a shift in what your ideal week looks like. So it's okay if it changes. This is more of like an experiment, especially when you're first starting to map out what do I think ideal looks like? And then when you try it, you might learn that that's not actually ideal. And it's kind of like this testing and iterating process. But the first thing I would say is think about your personal needs. That's what creates sustainable productivity. You can't constantly be operating at max speed. You have to take time week by week to take care of yourself too if you want to be sustainably productive for the long term. So first thing, what are your essentials for the season and put them in your calendar? Is this something that you evaluate like on a weekly basis or is it just kind of on an as needed basis that you kind of plan your week or like how often do you revisit this? I usually have some sort of trigger for me to revisit it when I realize that the template that I'm using week after week isn't working. Mm -hmm. So for me, I don't have kids, so I don't have any like school schedules or anything. But in the summer, I do try to take lower summers and take Fridays off. So obviously, I need to readjust what is on my to-do list and my calendar for the summers if I'm going to take a Friday off. In the fall, I feel like I ramp back up again, but then going into winter, it's a slower season. So then I ramp back down again. So it really just depends on the seasons for me at this point and what my priority is. So right now I'm working on a digital course, which will be launched quarter one next year. And that takes up a ton of time because it is like my signature course on productivity. 
So in this season, I'm blocking a lot of my mornings off to have that focused productivity time. Whereas in the summer, I didn't really need to have three straight hours where I was sitting down and focusing on something. My to-do list was filled with like smaller projects that were easier to fit in throughout the day. You know, So it depends on what you're working on and what your schedule overall looks like. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that there's a process to it and like steps to follow, but it's also very fluid. <laughs> it's also very like considering like the seasons, like you said, and where you're at and what your priority is. So there's like a framework to follow, but it's not rigid. It's like, and also if you feel a trigger, like, oh, you also want Fridays off because it's the summer, you can revisit these steps and just revamp them to make them work for you, which is really cool. I love that. And we'll link to the website where you can find your course yes. down in the show notes. So, okay. So step one is again, like prioritizing your well-being, which I think is so, so good. That's like usually the last thing I forget. Like I always forget to do that. So that's incredible. So what are some other steps to planning that productive week? The second thing that I would suggest is creating task batches. And I've kind of had a love-hate relationship with task batching, mostly because I don't think that I knew how to do it correctly <laughs> until the last couple years, I found a groove that actually worked for me. And I hear this from a lot of entrepreneurs who try task batching for the first time and they're like, oh, well, it didn't work for me. But I promise you, if you stick with it and again, use it as an experiment to test out what does work, batching your tasks can work for any entrepreneur, I'm convinced. But I think of task batches in terms of my personal life and in my business. So I have a list of, if I open my planner here, they're on every single weekly spread. So for my business, I batch my tasks into five categories. I have client tasks, admin tasks, marketing tasks, business development tasks. So special projects like creating a digital course or a new lead generator would go in that category. And then personal development tasks too, if I want to prioritize taking a digital course or you know something like that. Those are the five areas where every single week I'm looking at those different categories and writing down what needs to be done in each of those categories. And then on a personal basis, I just have two categories and that's personal and home. And I might not even batch home except for that my husband and I are doing home renovation projects, which requires a lot of intentionality in terms of how we manage our time each week. Because Jenny and I, we were talking before the episode started, but for example, this week we were putting concrete on the walls, but you have to mix five gallons of concrete at a time to get the consistent color. So you can't just like fit that in on weeknights. It's like an eight hour process of putting on the walls. So we have to manage our calendar around home projects. And that's why I separate that in a personal category. And the names of the categories really don't matter. They're going to be different for every single business owner, depending on what type of business you run and what's important to you. But the important thing is that they are collectively exhaustive. Like All of your to-do tasks fit into one of those categories so that when you're reviewing them, it really is a comprehensive look of everything that you're responsible for. And when I've done an ideal week session with clients in the past, it really is eye-opening to go through these different task batches and even to see visually all of the things that you're expecting yourself to do on a weekly basis. And it can be an eye-opener to realize, oh, that's why I can never get everything done. I literally just don't have enough time to do everything that I'm expecting myself to show up and do on a weekly basis. And so again, it's one of those triggers to help you edit. Like, okay, I realistically can't show up on all these marketing channels looking at my schedule. So which ones can I show up for? How much time do I have to dedicate to marketing tasks? And then scheduling it on your calendar. There are some studies that have shown that people who task switch So just jumping from task to task to task will lose up to 40% of their productive time, 
which is insane to me. If you're working 40 hours a week, that's uh, how many hours? Math. I don't know. We don't have to do live math, but it's a lot. And I, I know. And I felt that in my own head. Like I've felt that constant switching, switching, switching. And then you just feel like you did a lot, but you don't know what you did. And so I love this idea. I recently started batching. I think we'll have to have you back to have a whole episode on batching because it's its own thing. But it's exactly what you said. I was like, I'm going to have a content day. And on this content day, like you should have seen the list of things I was going to do in a six hour batch of content day. And when you sit down to do it, you realize really quickly where you do need to focus, like put that focused effort. You know, you can't be doing podcasts and blogging and Instagram and email newsletters, 20 of each of those as one person in a six hour chunk. And so it really gives you that perspective of where do you want to focus your time and what can you realistically get done? So for me, batching has been huge (laughs) to say that. So. Yeah. For everyone who's tried it long enough for it to actually work, it's life-changing for sure. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is incredible. So prioritizing your well-being for your season, creating a task batching system, you know, with a coach, probably preferably who can kind of help you take all your tasks, categorize them, and then help you create some realistic goals for your goals, right? For what you're trying to do within those tasks. Is there any other stuff? Yes. So after you have your task batches created, obviously you need to fit them onto your weekly schedule. And you can batch monthly or weekly or even quarterly. So it takes a little bit of strategy to fit in your tasks where they need to go. I like batching weekly, but for marketing, for example, on week one each month, I might do different things than on week two each month. But that time block for marketing is always on Mondays and it's always the same amount of time. So get creative on how you fit it into your weekly schedule. But I think in order for something to work in your business, you do have to do it consistently. Like consistency is so powerful. And so I would challenge business owners, especially when thinking about the things that are really driving results in their business to show up to them weekly as much as they can. So along with the task batching is fitting those task batches into your ideal week in a way that's sustainable. The third step is to protect your ideal week, which I think is where this exercise goes completely wrong. A lot of people will map out their ideal week or their ideal schedule and then forget about it. (laughs) If it sits in a drawer, it's not very helpful. So even planning things like when I have those focused time blocks to work on business development projects in this season, it's the digital course. I will block that on my calendar so that no meetings get scheduled during that time where I actually need to sit down and focus. So protecting your time around your ideal calendar can look like blocking time for things that you need to focus on on your calendar or changing your meeting schedulers so that people can only schedule time during those allotted times. Like if I'm only doing client meetings on Tuesdays, then my scheduler shouldn't allow somebody to book at any time during the week, you know? So baking in those protective measures into your system so that your ideal week is more possible on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I need that because I'm really good at saying like, oh, I'm going to do this on Mondays, but then someone wants to have a call or this comes up and then you kind of, oh, sure, I can give up an hour. You know what I mean? But then you don't feel very good at the end of the day because you're all over the place. And I made a note when you said consistency is powerful too, because I think for me, that kind of pinned back to what you said about loving the process of everything you're doing too, right? And so just like enjoying the process and choosing the things that you love while consistently having the time and making the time to do it. It just seems kind of like a perfect harmony. So I love that. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Is there anything else about a productive week that you wanted to share? 
I think the last thing that I see a lot of people say when it comes to an ideal week, like you just said, if exceptions come up and you don't stick to your ideal week, you feel like a little off the rails. But your ideal week is not meant to be done perfectly every single week. It's okay to make exceptions and adjust your calendar. I think the main thing about creating an ideal week is that you have a baseline to start from when you are planning your weeks. So you don't sit there with a blank calendar thinking, well, what do I have to do this week? That's a recipe for failure. It's so much more helpful to start your weeks knowing like, okay, this is generally the task that I'm working on each day and then planning out from there and knowing if I say yes to this podcast interview on a Monday when I'm supposed to be working on marketing, then I have to find more time to work on marketing. So having just like the framework to make better decisions when it comes to managing your time and your to-do list, that's the benefit of an ideal week. If you don't show up and do it perfectly, even a single week, but it still helps you make better decisions about your time, then consider it a success. It's not meant to be an all or nothing type of thing. It's just a tool. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. And it seems like it really helps you just again, have that deeper understanding of your time. And then that confidence that where you're putting your time is where you want it to go. It's toward a priority that makes sense financially in your business too. So yeah, I love that. So I wanted to ask you a couple questions before I let you go. So the first one is, I know I've heard you talk about goals and how you choose fewer goals, right? Like bigger goals, just a couple of them. And so I'm curious about if you would like to tell our listeners about how you choose goals and like what are some of your life and business goals for 2023, if you don't mind sharing. <laughs> we could also spend a whole hour talking about this. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But in, in general, I definitely think about my business and personal goals in the same process because I think it's really easy when you try to set goals separately to come up with goals that are completely like they just can't exist in the same universe. Like you want to do all these things in your personal life, but you also want to accomplish all of these things in your business. And if you create those lists separately, it's a lot easier to get out of hand with the expectations of how much you can accomplish in a year. So I definitely do the whole thing in one process, which is helpful when it comes to like a holistic view of productivity. Holistically, what does it look like for me to be successful this year? I think that's an easier way for me to think about goals so that I'm not overestimating what I want to accomplish and sacrificing the things that matter most to me. In general, like I mentioned, I don't set a lot of goals. So this year, I had four goals. And next year, I think I only have one goal. (laughs) One like achievement goal, I would say. So there's achievement goals, which you can cross off the list and count it done. But then there's process goals, which you show up consistently or building habits, building routines, things like that. And I think next year, my goals are more so based on routines. And my only achievement goal for next year so far, I haven't finished like my goal setting process since we haven't reached the new year yet. But my only goal is to like finish these home renovation projects and call those done. But the other goals that I have, one of them that I'm really excited about is doing a year of less next year. So each month next year, I'm giving up a specific thing intentionally. So for example, in January, I'm going to do the stereotypical dry January. And everything that I'm giving up is related to productivity. So it's kind of a year of experimenting how less can be better in terms of productivity. And I'm super excited for that. It is a goal of mine because every month is a different challenge. But again, it's kind of like baking that into my process for the whole year. Like I'm reading a book based on each month and doing a podcast episode after each month. So that's a huge goal that kind of can be crossed off at the end of the year, but it's more process related. 
that's so freeing for me to think about just going deep on like one goal that I'm really excited about versus having like eight goals that I forget about four of them like for two months at a time and then remember that. The other thing I'll say about that is that for my business, I do have more specific quarterly goals, Mm -hmm. but I've given myself kind of the room to be more flexible with goal setting when it comes to business, especially this year because... I am the type of person who would love to like map up my entire year at once and then just follow it to a T all year long. That would be my dream year. But this year, especially having such a huge pivot in my business, quitting photography in February, early February this year officially, and then not having like those systems in place because I didn't know what my signature service was going to be. I didn't know what processes were going to grow my business or which ones were going to work. And so this year was definitely more of a challenge for me to choose one step at a time. But I've also realized how helpful that has been, even for somebody like me who loves to have everything planned out to a T. But next year, I'm definitely going to continue that and focus on quarterly goals and 90 days at a time. Because again, looking at consistency, a lot of entrepreneurs will try something for like a month and be like, oh, well, it didn't work. But sometimes it takes longer than that to know if something is really going to work. And so... In quarter one, I've decided my focus is the digital course, both like launching it and systemizing it so that the sales funnel is set up. And for an entire quarter, that's going to be my whole focus. And then in quarter two, it's going to be the planner company and really focusing on designing and launching my productivity planners for the first time. And again, I'm going to give myself at least three months, maybe longer, depending on how that goes. But after that, I'm not sure what my priorities are. But I think from a goal perspective, it's really easy at the beginning of the year to say, especially revenue goals get caught up in like how much you want to grow your revenue, which is a good thing. And I think every business owner should be aware of what their numbers are. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what your quarterly priorities are. So I've just found a lot of freedom myself instead of getting caught up in the numbers to really focus on the efforts that I need to focus on and prioritizing my time around those things. And from this year, I've seen like the success comes if you show up consistently and doing things that are driving the results. And it's good to keep an eye on the results and whether or not the things you're doing are actually making any progress in your business. But for me, I feel like doing the quarterly priority thing is going to be just a lot more helpful mental health wise and business wise. So it's a win-win. Absolutely. Because you can set an income goal and and try to reach it. So like I coach cross country, total side note, but like you can say like you want to run a certain time as a runner. And I know you've been a runner before too, Jade, but you can't always control like what place you get in a race or what your income goal exactly is going to be. But you can control setting a priority and then doing that consistent focused effort to get there and then let the cards fall where they may. But like you said, like they're going to land, you know what I mean? And you're going to yeah. the process and you're going to know that you put all this focused effort into something that mattered to you and the end result is going to be incredible. And you're going to actually enjoy your life as you got to that end result, you know? So I just yeah. think that's such a cool way to just to focus on the day-to-day consistently and, and those tasks, that effort of putting into it versus like yeah. the, arbitrary thing you may or may not hit, you know? So I think it also somehow makes you emphasize your numbers more because I think a lot of business owners will wait until the end of the year to kind of sum everything up and figure out what worked and what didn't. But when you focus on a quarterly process, it forces you at the end of the quarter to assess where you're at and to do that deep dive. 
each quarter. So if you're doing it four times a year instead of just once, automatically you're going to have such a better grasp on your business and what's working and what's not and be able to make incremental adjustments along the way instead of waiting, you know, for like next year, I'll change that process or next year I'll update my pricing. You know, those are things that the more often you're able to like check in and adjust, the more successful you can be over the year. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Okay. I'm going to close with a few like rapid fire fun questions and then we'll let listeners know where they can find you. So I always like to ask all my guests, what is your favorite book? My favorite book, I've read it twice in the last year. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And it is amazing. Everybody needs to read it. (laughs) Okay. I'm writing it down. (laughs) Thank you for that. What is your favorite sandwich? I had to think about this one for a while because I'm not really a sandwich person, but I am a breakfast person. So I would have to say a breakfast sandwich with like avocado and sriracha mayo. That would be the perfect sandwich. I could eat that right now. <laughs> Last, what is your favorite place in the world? Ever since last summer in Arizona, the desert has been my favorite place and like Grand Canyon, of course. But since we had nothing to do at the South Rim because it was so hot during the day. We also traveled all over Arizona on the weekends to all the monuments and, you know, the road trips through the forest and like all the different plants that are there. I love the desert. So, you know, Joshua Tree, Utah, Southern California, Arizona, wherever. I just love the desert so much. Such a beautiful area. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you, Jade. Okay. So we talked about coaching and your course that's coming up and I definitely am excited to follow like your year of less and to learn from you that way. So before I let you go, where can people find you? Yeah. So my website is jadeboyd.co and that's my Instagram handle as well. You can find all of the free resources we talked about, like the I have a free task batching workbook that also goes through how to set up your ideal week after you batch your tasks and a weekly review checklist that you can use to review your week and plan your next week every single week. Again, like the basis of being productive is learning to have a productive week and incremental improvement. So all of those are on my website. They're also linked in the link in my Instagram bio. So you can find all of them there. And then my podcast is the Business Minimalist Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Yes. Incredible. Okay. We'll link to all the places where you can grab Jade's freebies and find her in all the places online. So thank you so much for being here, Jade. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. This was really fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Above the Bar Copy. Every month I draw one winner who will get a free audit on a piece of copy of your choice. An email funnel, a sales page, a website page, you name it. I'll walk through it and send you a full video audit on the piece along with a Google Doc full of copy notes and suggestions you can implement. To enter this copy audit giveaway, leave a five-star positive review on the show and email me a screenshot of your review so I have your name and email and can notify you if you want. You can send that to hello at jennyrothcopywriting.com. 